0: Welcome to another episode of the Grace Over Grind podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lacey C. Robbins of Robbins Nest Consulting, founder of the Everyday Business Conference, consultant to small and mid sized businesses, and coach to women who are ready to use their knowledge, background, and expertise to build a platform and make more money. Welcome back to another special, very special Grace over Grind podcast. Um, you know, ladies, every week or just about at least several times a month, I bring to you a life at the table segment, an opportunity for you to meet women from literally around the world who are in the throes of moving, shaking, doing the thing as I often will say. Well, this episode is no different. Dr. LaVon Bracy is a political activist. Now I'm not speaking to a modern day um, political activist, but one who goes all the way back over 50 years ago when it came to integrating her local high school. You see her dad is even one that if you go and pull out your local history book, his name is right there next to Dr. King's. When I recorded this episode with Dr. Bracy, it was about a month and a half maybe even two months, before the murder of George Floyd. Ironically, how everything works out, it now has become part three of a series that I've spoken about being a better ally. Please be sure to listen to the end as Dr. Bracey speaks from the heart as to just how important it is that we continue to be activists even today, as she continues over 50 years ago. Still to this day. I also would encourage you if you happen to have a young person who's around, um, a teenage child, pull them up to listen to this episode because it is filled with so many historical gems. I could sit and listen to Dr. Bracey share her personal experiences all day. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back everybody. Ladies, I am so excited for today's interview. You have no idea. Now, first of all, if you've already heard, um, you know, with her introduction, as always, the full bio is down there in the show notes. But Dr. LaVon Bracey is here today. My fellow Fiskite, I am so excited to have her here. Welcome, Dr. Bracey. Thank you so very much. Oh my goodness. Ladies, we are in for a treat today. Now, as I always tell you, get your paper, your pencil, your journal, (laughs) you know, you may even want to pull up Um, your children to listen to this particular episode because Dr. Bracey is a political activist and is here to share her story with us. But before we dive all the way in, as always, I have my everyday business top five. So Dr. Bracey, I have five questions for you. Of course, none of them are too hard, but it's a way for the audience to get to know you a little bit better. So are you
1: ready? Are ready.
0: Okay. So number one, coffee or tea? Tea. T, all oh, right, sounds good. Number two, where did you grow up and where do you live now?
1: I grew up in St. Augustine, Florida, and I now live in Orlando, Florida.
0: Oh, very nice.
1: Orlando is definitely one of, of the faves for
0: those of us here in the Robin's Nest. Number okay. three, book or e-reader? Book. Look, me too. Number four, where would you like to visit but haven't quite yet made it?
1: Well, that's let me see. I would probably say Switzerland. Mm. I have been on six of the seven continents. Wow. But I, I my bucket list is is not very long right now.
0: That sounds nice. I have been to Switzerland. It is absolutely beautiful. I actually got stuck in Switzerland trying to head back to the States. And I just, I kept thinking to myself, I've got to come back because it is amazing. Okay. (laughs) Last question. What's a piece of advice given to you from a mentor that you still live by today?
1: Well, I have to say um, it was given to me by my father. My father always said to me, you learn from your mistakes, but don't let them interfere with you living. And I I always live by that. I learn from whatever mistake, but I don't let it hamper me to the point that I don't want to do certain things. So I've always remembered that all of my life. I learn from them, but I keep moving.
0: That is a great reminder for us all, because a lot of times we definitely can make a mistake, bump our head, and we get stuck. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Or we think there's no way I can bounce back from this, right? Uh, That's right. What a great reminder for us. Thank you. So, Dr. Bracey, for the listeners who may not be familiar with you, this might be their first time, um, you know, even hearing your name. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you get here to today? How did you even become a political activist?
1: Well, I well, I, I guess it started out with my, my, my dad uh, was the president of the NAACP when we lived in St. Augustine. And we were there in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, During those times, it was very difficult for African-Americans. St. Augustine, being the oldest place in the United States, was very segregated. And my dad and, and my mom moved there to go to college. A school by the name of Florida Memorial was in St. Augustine. It's now in Miami. And they both went there to receive their bachelor's degrees. Well, after my dad finished, uh, he went to Howard University and went to the School of Theology and received his degree at Howard, came back to St. Augustine, and he wanted to change St. Augustine. He said if St. Augustine is the oldest place in the United States, it needs to demonstrate that everybody would be treated equally. So my mother was a school teacher. My dad began to pastor a church in St. Augustine. And uh, he was considered a troublemaker. He would go to the school board meetings and say that we needed to integrate the school system. He would go to all of the meetings of city council and said, you aren't spending any money in the black community. And dad got, it got so bad that uh, the powers that be says that if Reverend Wright does not stop what he's doing, his family will suffer from it. Well, we did suffer because the Ku Klux Klan uh, came to our house and burned a cross. Uh, my mother was a school teacher. She lost her job because of my dad's activities. She then got another job about 30 miles away. She lost that job because of my dad's activities. He and a few others decided that things were so bad, they, they called Martin Luther King to come to St. Augustine. And Martin Luther King did come trying to think, change things. And the Ku Klux Klan ran us out by night. Wow. We left St Augustine. my daddy uh received uh was able to pastor a church in Gainesville, Florida, mm-hmm. so I was so glad to leave St Augustine because uh, I thought we were all going to actually lose our lives there
0: right so, did you ever ask your dad to stop or i mean wh- how old were you when all of this was happening?
1: well let's see i we stayed in St Augustine. I went from first through seventh grade wow, uh, in, in St. Augustine. And um, it, it was very dangerous for us. Mm-hmm. Well, when we moved to uh, Gainesville, my mother uh, said to my dad, promise me that you will not be president of the NAACP in Gainesville. That we will live like normal human beings. <laughs> I will teach school, And you will pastor church and we won't have any activities that will violate our family in any way. And my dad promised, I promise you that that's all we're going to do. We're going to raise our kids. We're going to have a wonderful time. Well, that lasted about (laughs) six months. My mom was going to church one day in this. Lady stopped and said, Oh, Miss Wright, Miss Wright, we are so delighted that Reverend Wright is now uh, president of the NAACP in St. Augustine, I mean, in Gainesville.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: now we are going to change Gainesville upside down.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: So my mother was livid. <laughs> My dad says, Well, listen, I'm only doing this for one year. One year turned out to be 19 years.
0: Oh, my goodness. Now, wait a
1: minute. What is your father's first name? Thomas, Tom, is Thomas Wright. I believe he's in the history books, is that correct? Yes, he is. I, I
0: feel yes. like I was gonna say, I kept thinking like, Reverend Wright, I feel like I've read
1: this in the history yes. books, oh yes. my goodness. Yeah, uh, he, he is, he's in the history books of what happened in St. Augustine, right. and then in Gainesville. So now we're in Gainesville, and in Gainesville, Florida, at that time, the largest institution, the University of Florida, this is 1969, mm-hmm. 1965, when we are in uh, Gainesville. Well, Brown versus Board of, of Education was mm-hmm. 1954. and mm-hmm. 1964, the schools are still segregated. So my dad goes to the school board meeting and says that 10 years have passed. The schools are still segregated. What are you going to do? And they said, we're not going to do anything because the climate is not right. So my dad sued the school board. And and the NAACP and my dad sued the school board. And the judge uh, ruled in their favor and said that they had to integrate the school system with all deliberate speed. So now the school system has to be integrated. And my dad has to decide, how am I gonna make this happen? He then decides, well, I think I'm gonna start with high school. So if I can get 10th, 11th, and 12th graders, we will have a graduation in one year. So he started knocking on doors. He knocked on about 500 doors, asking parents, will you please allow your kids to leave the all-black school to go to the all-white school? And after knocking on 500 doors, he found one 10th grader and one 11th grader. No 12th grader.
0: Wow.
1: He was so disgusted and distraught. I was in the 12th grade at the time. Oh, my wow. brother was in the 12th grade. Now, we were in the same, we were not twins, but I skipped the grade. But okay, so I God. told my brother, I said, come on, let's go to the all-white school. Dad will be fine. He will enjoy it. He said, listen, Dad can be very unhappy, but he's going to stay unhappy. <laughs> I am not leaving. I am in the band. Mm-hmm. I, I am very active. I have three girlfriends <laughs> and I am not about to leave my my classmates. So my brother wouldn't leave. I really anguished over the decision <sighs> to go to the all-white school. I tossed and I turned and one day I got up, I said, Dad, send me, I'll go. Wow. I Courage. Said, Courage. <laughs> I will go to the all-white school." And he said, well, listen, you can't tell your mama just yet, because she is not going to like the decisions that we have made. So we were just trying to maneuver around her and she felt that there was something that was going on. So, So, when she found out what we really were were doing, my my mother said, listen, if you think that LaVon is going over there with all those white kids who don't want her to go, you have another thought coming. So, it took uh, a long time, all summer, for my dad to convince my mom that I should go to the all-white school so i went to the all-white school it was three of us well before the first day of going to school the fbi comes to the house tells my dad that the climate is not right in gainesville and he really thinks that we need to postpone this my dad said absolutely not so the FBI says, well, I need to give you some instructions. He says, number one, we cannot guarantee the kids' safety. Number two, they cannot participate in any activities. They cannot go to football game, baseball, basketball. They cannot do anything where there is a congregation of people together. He said they can only go to school. And they immediately have to leave right after school. So we got all of those instructions and the first day of school before that day I tossed and turned all night, could not sleep, did not know what the future would hold for me. I got up, I was ready two hours ahead of time. My mom got up early, fixed me a big breakfast. I couldn't eat, I just drank some juice. And my dad would take the three of us, the 10th, 11th, and the 12th grader to school. Mm -hmm. So that first day, uh, the policeman would take, we would have a policeman in front and the back of us that would escort us to, to school. And that first day dad prayed for us, we got out of the car. And as I was walking to my class, about six or seven students began to call me the N word. They spit in my face. They told me I did not belong there and I needed to go back where I was welcome because- I
0: just have to ask Dr. Bracey, how did you like keep it together? You know, if someone is calling me names, spitting in my face, like basically just outright disrespectful, how did you just not respond
1: well it was so difficult but before school started mom said to me she said listen this is going to be the most challenging year of your life and you are going to have to learn how to kill them with kindness she says it's going to be difficult but you're going to have to learn that If your objective is to graduate, you're going to have to ignore all of the vicious attacks and know what the end game is. So I go to my class. I I get in the class, and Dad always said, go to the front of the class. Sit in the front. I would go to the front to the first A seat on the first row. And when I did that, the entire class got up, went to the opposite side. And the teacher says, why are you standing? And they says, I'd rather stand than than use the N-word to sit by someone. So all of the students stood up. Every day, I would have to deal with the fact that they would put dead roaches, dead rats, dead snakes in my seat. They would put tacks in my seat. So if I sat down without looking, I'd have to pop right up because of the tacks. Mm -hmm. So that happened every day. There were about 500 students in my class. And I knew not one by name out of the entire year no one befriended me, no one wanted to say that they were making friends with this black student that was coming to our school. And I am convinced that my, my class took a pact, that they did not want the class of 1969, to be the, the class of 1965, to be the class that would say that they had the first African-American to graduate from Gainesville High School, so they did everything that they possibly could to make my life a living mm Hmm. Yeah. So, do you ever see any? Because you're in Gainesville now, right? No, I'm. I'm in. I'm in Orlando.
0: Oh, in Orlando. That's right. That's right. I'm just curious. Have, did you ever go back for
1: well, like your high school class reunion
0: at all? Well, let
1: me just. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that part of. So, well. <laughs> They even got really bad. Um, one day, I was jumped before uh, graduation by, by six white boys. And uh, I just thought that would be the last day in my, of my entire life. I waited till the bell rang. All the students passed by. Nobody really came to help me. I went to the principal and told them that I had been, I had been jumped on. And the principal said, how do I know that you didn't come from school, come from home like that? I didn't see anybody do anything to you. So I asked him, could I use the telephone? This is long before cell phones. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, absolutely not. So they had a payphone across the street. So I stumbled, used to call the payphone, went to the payphone, called my dad. He came to get me took me to the only black doctor in the town, and the doctor stitched me up and said, you know, you're going to have to stay home for a while because they really beat you up pretty badly. So I stayed home about four or five days. First, I said, Dad, I'm not going back to school. He said, you don't have to go back. And I stayed home about four or five days, and I said, Dad, take me back to school. He said, I thought you weren't going. I said, listen. They're just going to have to kill me. I can't allow them to win.
0: Are you ready to remain awake in the career of your dreams? Well, then you're in the right place. Open now is my signature program, Power Your Process. Yep. If you are a mid to senior level female professional looking to make strategic career moves in the next three to nine months, perhaps you're tired of being trapped beneath the glass ceiling or stuck to the sticky floor. If you are looking for a system to compress your job search into career potential and ready to not only feel the part, look the part, but be the part with amped confidence and a positive mindset, while desiring to experience a process with more grace and less grind, you are the leader, ready to align with an organization that values your knowledge, background, and expertise, then you're in the right place and this is the journey for you. Learn more by visiting robbinsnestconsultingcom forward slash apply and let's begin this journey to the career of your dreams together. Again, applications are open now, but filling fast.
1: So I went back to school, and they redoubled their efforts uh, to try to make sure that I didn't graduate. They were just horrible. I did graduate. I finished. Yeah. And after I finished, I told my dad, I don't ever in life want to go to school again with people who look, don't look like me. I have to go to school where I'm in the majority and not in the minority. Mm-hmm. So I was so glad to get to Fish University. Yes. yes. I was so glad because it was a place for healing for me. Mm-hmm. I just met some friends that have been friends for life. Mm-hmm. So after I left this, uh <gasps> I really became very active at, at this. I, I started with voter registration, made sure that all my friends would vote, Let made sure that even when a part of the student council that I said, let's make sure that the right person gets into these based on what had happened to me in high school and my experiences in St. Augustine. So then the students, I uh, I guess when we had our 25th anniversary, I was living in Philadelphia, and they called my mom and asked my mom, could I really come back to the uh, class reunion? All of my class wanted to see me. And mom says, it's it's time for you to come back. And I anguished and anguished and anguished over that. But I told mom, I just just couldn't do it. I didn't know anybody by name. I, I I just I just could not force myself to do it. Right, and right. So they had a 30th and they tried to get me there and last year they had the 50th. I mean yeah they had the 50th in, in 19, no they had the 50th in 2015 and they really had an email chain trying to get me at the 50th and I almost changed my mind but I went to my husband's 50th and when I went to my husband's 50th he didn't sit down the whole time he was there meeting all his friends and talking about what happened when they were in school and it was just a marvelous affair. And I says, if I went to my 50th, what would I do? I don't know anybody. And so I I didn't go. So this year was the 55th. And the answer is, no, I didn't go.
0: (laughs) I mean, I I can't blame you for not wanting to go because it kind of feels like, why would I want to go standing in a room with a group of people who were so nasty and degrading to me as a, as their classmate, right. you know, why even risk putting yourself back through that uh, potential abuse? Um, I'm sure part of the reason why they wanted you to come was guilt, um, perhaps the potential to apologize, um, you know, maybe an attempt to make it right. But I say kudos to you for, you know, maintaining a boundary. And even just thinking about it from a perspective of mental health, um, you know, mental sanity, just like, yeah, I'm good. You know, you um definitely did your part to start off and going. I, I commend you. I, I couldn't have gone either. You know, I haven't yeah. been back to... One of my high school reunions, for what it's worth, I, I definitely didn't enjoy high school either. Now, granted, my experience was not compared <laughs> to yours, but um, you know, we all have our fair share of um, experiences, and it's not one that I, I'm like, why go back, you know, to to relive that. So, but let's talk about your time at Fisk University. So, our fellow Fisk Univers- University daughters forever on the altar, right? And, um, you know, tell us about, like, what was it like once you got to Fisk? And you you mentioned it a little bit, but give us a few more details. Were you, you know, maybe like your first experience when you arrived on campus? And I know, like, what my perspective was, um, but, you know, tell us, tell the listening audience, and I guess that would have been the fall of 65, what was that yes. like?
1: The fall of uh, 65, when I... Well, I was just I was just so happy just to see so many people that looked like me, <laughs> mm-hmm, uh, and I I just thought that was going to be such a wonderful experience, and it was. My sister graduated from Fisk about seven years before that time, oh, wow. but she had told me all about what to expect at Fisk University, and I met all of my friends, and uh, I just en- I enjoyed the fellowship of. A fist, and I enjoyed being around so many smart African Americans. It was just a delightful pleasure to see people who were confident in what they were going to do, and I I thought that going to fist that I could leave and change the world. Dr. Bracey, you know what I. <laughs> felt
0: the exact same way. I don't know (laughs) if it's something they just instill in you, you know, open your brain and pour it in. I still feel that way. I still feel as though, you know, when I'm meeting new people, engaging with new individuals, that my fingerprint is upon their life, that the conversation that we're having could literally change the world. Right.
1: Change the world. I just (sighs) thought that I really did. I said, this education Experience is so good. So good. I, I said I can leave the here. I can be anything I want. I mm-hmm. can do anything I want. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just had so much confidence. And then I was, you know, I had the, I was an activist at that time because I just believed. Uh, with the turmoil that I had experienced in high school, uh, that you just didn't tell me no anymore. <laughs> I just couldn't and were you a
0: part of the freedom writer group
1: no i I wasn't no okay. I, no I wasn't no I wasn't but i just I just felt that said well you know we we need to make some changes in nashville if we we need to do some changes we can do that mm-hmm. so it was it was just a wonderful experience. I still have uh a cadre of my great friends who are still alive we we had a wonderful 50th reunion, returning oh, to this.
0: I love it. Yeah, same, definitely. Um, you know, I, ironically enough, I just was talking with one of my classmates yesterday, and we have 25 years worth of, fi- of friendship there that that's has wonderful. developed. And it's just such a beautiful thing. Um, and that's something I would say, now, no shade to anyone who perhaps, went to a PWI, a predominantly right. white institution, but there is something that is so special about an HBCU, Historically Black College University, experience. Uh, Dr. Bracey, did you pledge at all while you were there? No, I didn't because my dad
1: just said, listen, I don't have money to waste. You're there for an education. And so I, I, I had no interest in, in, in pledging and afterwards I just kind of That was not the same for my children, but that was my desire. But but my husband pledged, my daughter pledged, my son, all of them. But I'm the only non-Greek in the family. Well,
0: it's never too late to pledge Delta, Dr. (laughs) Dr. Bracey. Never too late.
1: I I couldn't do that. My daughter is an AKA. Oh.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, she might be a little upset. She might I be a little upset. very
1: upset, yeah.
0: <laughs> and one of my good friends, the one I was just talking to earlier this week, she's an AKA, so I okay. definitely get it. That is too yeah.
1: funny. That yeah. is too my, funny. My husband and my uh, son, are, they're couples. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. okay. That's a beautiful thing. Well, so, you know, Dr. Bracey, you have really shared about having personal challenge and triumph, right? Experiencing directly conflict and being courageous in that very moment. What would you tell our listeners if they're going through their own personal experiences? Now, granted, they may not look like um, what you experience, but they're still having some sort of conflict, maybe at their workplace, maybe within their home, they're experiencing their own personal inner turmoils, right? Or, um, you know, conflict that they're dealing with and the battles with a coworker. What would you tell them and how they could perhaps overcome these challenges? What
1: strategy or tip would you give them? Yeah, I, I tell them, number one, you have to know what the problem is and decide what kind of strategies that I can use to survive this and conquer this Mm -hmm. and really study the problem to the point that I'm gonna survive this, I'm not gonna explode. Mm -hmm. I am gonna come up with a strategy that I can utilize and get through this process. And we have to understand that it would be real nice if we could go through life with no turmoil and and no problems and things would just be just real easy for us, but that's not what the way life is. Mm -hmm. So things are going to happen. And so we have to be smart enough to endure it and decide that I'm not going to let this uh, destroy me. I'm going to, I'm going to get through this. Whatever it takes for me to get through it, I'm going to get through it. Uh, you know, for the for for many years, I, this this idea of the school integration was problematic, and I decided, you know what, I need to write my story not for adults but for children, so that they will know. I hear kids talk about how they're being bullied in school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Their bullying was no comparison to what was happening to me. Mm -hmm. But they have to have survival skills. They have to know. I have to find a way that if this person is bullying me, I am going to conquer this. And they aren't gonna throw me out of school. They aren't gonna put me in jail where they like to put African-Americans. But I am going to succeed, and I'm gonna be able to say I was a success And I can even write and tell my story.
0: Yes. It really is about mindset, you know, and all this month, that's exactly what we've been talking about is about showing up as your authentic self, Mm -hmm. right? I don't have to shrink. I can still shine and my shine doesn't take away from yours and having the right mindset and, you know, being able to exercise your voice in that and what that could potentially look like as well. Right. So, you know, what would you say, you mentioned like having a, a book for young people. What was the um, the name of the book?
1: The name of my book is Brave Little Cookie.
0: Brave Little Cookie. I love that. And what? so I will make sure and put a link, everyone, in the show notes so that you two can get your copy of Dr. Bracey's book, Brave Little Cookie.
1: Yes, Brave Little Cookie. And Cookie was my nickname, so I just, I I wrote my book so that children could really understand uh, nice. I give them a little history and at the same time let them know that they can they can succeed
0: mm-hmm for sure so what do you think a gift is that everyone has but they don't necessarily know they have it
1: well I, I think probably a gift that they have they they have knowledge Uh and they may not understand. I know that they have as much knowledge as they have, and they can utilize that. Not that knowledge can take them around the world if it's used properly.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. So now, if someone were to decide today, I too. Want to be a political activist, or I want to exercise my voice more in my community, or you know, I see something that I don't necessarily agree with. What's one thing you'd encourage them to do? Like, how can you start? Can anyone be a political activist? You know, how how do, how do you begin?
1: Well, you begin by getting yourself involved. Uh, you know, uh, I I've been very active in elections. Uh, I have volunteered. Uh, I I, uh, I read and understand every candidate that's running. I decide, well, this is the one that I'm going to work with. I will. I have held signs. I have knocked on doors. I have taken people to the polls. Uh, and you can, you can start out as a volunteer working on somebody's campaign. You can go to various meetings. You can go to city council meetings and determine, I don't like what's being done. I need to, well, how am I going to change that? I'm going to run for office myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's how you can really get started by volunteering, seeing things that you think you can do better are things that need to be changed and work at changing them. Mm,
0: I love it. Yes. Often, I love the Gandhi quote that says, be the change you want to see.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, Dr. Bracey, at the time of this recording, we have an election that is coming up in November. Yes. This last election, in my personal opinion, this may not represent others who are listening, um, but I don't think it quite went how we had hoped or expected it would go.
1: Well let me <laughs> just well, let me just tell you a little bit more about myself. Yes, uh, ma'am. I I have been um at I was at the convention four years ago. And I I think we're gonna have our convention in your home state. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I don't know because they're saying it it might be just viral or I don't virtual. I don't virtual, know right. yeah, virtual. I don't know what it's going to be. But uh, so, and, and then we're, we're having some. Person says, "Well, we're going to have to live in Chicago and then come to Wisconsin." I don't know how that's going to work. But I have, um, I have worked hard to see candidates that I believe in get elected, mm-hmm. um, and I am working hard to make sure that November the 3rd, that we select a president who is a president for all of the people, not just some of the people, that we understand that immigrants are here uh, and those ought to be able to vote if they are registered. Uh, We should not try to suppress votes from anyone. Uh, The only voice you have is your vote. Mm. And for anybody that is listening, I encourage you to vote. We cannot afford just to vote some of the time. This time is more critical than it has been in the 70 years that I've been on this earth. Mm. So if you are listening, make sure that your voice is heard through your vote. Please, sir, ma'am, ladies, gentlemen, I beg you to let your voice be heard.
0: Amen to that. I totally agree. You know, Dr. Bracey, I I have some people who will say to me, well, it's no need of me voting because my one vote doesn't matter or my one vote doesn't count. Or they may even say, well, I don't like any of the candidates, so I'm not going to vote at all. What would
1: you say to them? Okay, when you don't vote, you're voting for the person that is the worst person Uh, that's running when you decide that I'm not going to vote. Mm -hmm. And you have to have a choice. Uh, There has never been a candidate that I like everything about that candidate. So you are going to have to decide what issues are of most importance to you. And then you decide that you have a vote. The other thing is our ancestors died for us to have the right to vote. And when you, that you are not going to vote, mm-hmm. you are telling your ancestors that it was not worth their life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's really something. You are disrespecting your ancestors when you make that decision that you're not going to vote.
0: That is so true. And, you know, one thing that I like to remind people, you may think to yourself, well, I don't like any of the candidates, so I'm not going to vote in this election. I'll get the next one. But there are often uh, more things than just, uh, you know, two political figures on the ballot. That's right. There could be things in in Wisconsin, we have a Milwaukee specifically, an aldermanic system. And so the last election that just happened in April, we had um, our alderman or alderwoman. There was the election for the person in your district that was on there, not only just for the nominees for the presidential election, but for your own local, you know, you like aldermanic yeah. camp. Well, so- I,
1: yes. I tell people when you have no, if you don't vote, you have no right to complain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You talk about my property taxes, I don't like this. And if you did not vote, you cannot complain about anything because you decided you were you didn't want a voice.
0: Yes, yes. And you know what? For this episode, guys, I'm going to put into the show links the voter registration link so that if you are not a registered voter maybe this is your first time having a chance to vote in um, a presidential election will be this november i remember specifically um you know because of my age i missed um one of the presidential elections so my first presidential election um bill clinton was running for president i forgot who was uh, who is i believe it was I don't remember who he was running against, but I just remember how excited I was to be in line, like, oh my gosh, I finally get a chance to vote for a president because I was falling of age to be able to do so, and um, so for this episode, you, you ladies, I'm going to put into the show notes the voter registration link, so if you are not register to vote in your hometown, you can do so. You also may want to consider going ahead and getting your absentee ballots because we don't know what is the election going to look like with everything that has happened this spring with coronavirus and such. And so we don't want anything that can potentially, um, you know, mute your voice from being able to be heard.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that you couldn't have said it any beautifully. We have to make certain that our voice is heard loud and clear. And I, I must say this, when I was in high school, I spent a year of silence. I had nobody to talk to. I had no friends whatsoever. And I promised myself when I left there, I would never be silent again. So I had a responsibility to make sure my voice is heard. Mm -hmm. But I have never, ever missed voting. That's okay. So I, I implore you, by the tender mercies of God, vote. Your life depends on it.
0: Uh, Yes, that part, ladies, that part right there. Dr. Bracey, thank you so much for being a part of the Grace Over Grime podcast, the Life at the Table edition. I'm so just grateful to be able to have had this time with you today to capture this conversation for many generations to be able to hear. Um, I actually had the pleasure of adopting a future Fiskite. She's class of 2024 and heading there this fall. And I'm so excited for her to be having the same experience that both of us have had. And, um, you know, I I just love that. One final question for you. Can you share a favorite quote or mantra that keeps you motivated that might inspire our listeners as well?
1: Oh, my favorite quote, quote is, you have not because you ask not. Mm. And so often uh, we don't ask. So um, I always, I've always told my kids and tell people, you have not because you, ask not. And that quote comes directly from the Bible.
0: Absolutely. Yep. I love it. Thank you so much again for joining us on today.
1: All right. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Ladies, did you enjoy this episode on today? I don't know about you, but I am inspired to run on, to continue to use my voice, to ensure that not only is my mindset set, but also my authentic self to continue to show up every single day. I can't think of a better way to be able to close out the month of June than having Dr. Bracy on for today. Be sure to like, to share, inspire another lady leader that you know who could use this message on today, and especially that next generation of leader who could be inspired by the message that she shared with us. If you haven't done so, please consider su- to subscribe to the Grace Over Grind podcast and offer a five-star review because it would mean the world to me thanks again for listening and as i always say from process to practice grab your stilettos and let's go thanks again everyone and i'll see you soon